your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday. It's a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Mayor Tim Cabot joining me today for the hour. So if you got questions for Mr. Cabot, 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. We can talk about city stuff in a minute, but uh, Tim, did you uh, do you do you just think about your own mortality when you watch forty three year old Tom Brady out there winning his seventh Super Bowl in ten tries? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty remarkable. I, I uh, it's, you know it's hard to come up with the uh, the words to describe uh, what he has accomplished. It's all you can say is remarkable. Yeah, he's he's one year older than I am. So anytime, if I ever do get back into the gym, I'll feel really bad about my my uh, my state of physical fitness uh, as Tom <laughs> Brady. Any and I, I was looking at some funny pictures, just him as a as a rookie, and then every year his just face shot, his mug shot of each year, and he looks so much right. better now than he did as a as a rookie coming out of Michigan. But I think he's had a little bit of work done. So there's there's that too. Well, I think he's really changed his whole lifestyle and diet and everything else. So it's yeah, pretty pretty amazing to think uh, somebody that age can be, you know, at the top of the the sports world and uh, not is not his first time either. So pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, for for most of my adult life, every other Super Bowl I've watched Tom Brady in. Ten out of the last like twenty one Super Bowls he's been in. He's his his uh, percentage for going to the Super Bowl is better than Steph Curry's percentage for making a three pointer. <laughs> yeah, six oh eight. Well, seven. and you know, and again, he's uh, the, the defense carried the day. I mean, as for as good as Brady played, uh, they they shut down Patrick Mahomes. So you got to give credit where it's due because the Tampa defense really stepped up for sure. Yeah, they did almost the same the same thing they did to Rodgers, right? The, the Aaron Rodgers didn't have any time to throw. Aaron Rodgers wasn't making throws vertic- uh, vertic- vertically, uh, you know, while laying essentially in the air on his side, but like Patrick Mahomes was. But man, yeah. uh, neither of those guys had time to throw, and and then Tom Brady didn't even get, get didn't even get rushed at all. So there's that aspect to it too, right? Uh, that's Mayor Tim Cabot. He's going to join us for the hour. If you got questions, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Of course, there's a Lacrosse City Council meeting coming up Thursday, and that's kind of what we usually you know, try to uh, hover around with that. Uh, that's why the mayor comes on the, the, the Monday before the city council meeting. No agenda up, so we're going to really make the mayor d- d- break down what's going on. Um, obviously, there's, a, there's 10 candidates running for mayor to replace you. And uh, do you do you? I know you don't endorse any candidates, but do you do you see this? You know where where you don't have to name any names, but there's ten candidates. Do you think there's like five favorites or four, three? You know how many favorites do you do you have in the field right now? Where you're just like, yeah, those those couple are really sticking out. Is there three or four or five of them? Well, I can tell you by like what I have observed just from the outreach and. Uh, you know, mailers and social media. I mean, it's really, I can only think of maybe two or three at the most that, uh, that have been doing that kind of work. So, uh, in my mind, it's probably down to those two or three, I think, to get down to the, through the primary to the final two. So in, in terms of, uh, you, you see them, 
a, a lot of uh, maybe I know there's a couple doing Facebook Live videos. There's a couple with a lot of posts on their website. I you know and and just and then you know just hitting. Hitting lacrosse talk PM. Although I've had every one of them except Jessica, and, and well, I've had Jessica on already. Martin Gall is the last one I got to have yet. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like the direct mailers and and the things that I do see on social media. Not so much things on their website, which would require you as a voter to have to go to their website, but actually them reaching out and making contact with voters. So there's only it's, again it's been a very small number of of candidates that I have, uh, that I've received anything directly from. So it'll be interesting to see how that matches up with the, the, as the race here, gets down to the primary. Okay. And as, as we, you know, we're a week and a day away from the primary and, um, things are a little, a little bit different in terms of voting. I, I think I, I would imagine a lot more people are going to vote absentee, but, uh, maybe not. Do you, do you see, is there a new strategy? Do you think I, I don't, you're, you're not running, but you probably think about if I was running, I would probably do this a little bit differently. If you were running, what would you do, you know, based on a, a pandemic and, uh, you know, what would be the strategy for Tim Cabot if you were running again for mayor? Well, I think the direct mailing and, and the outreach through the social media to hosting those virtual events and, and, um, you know, using your, your email list and your contact list, and then as well as your mailers, I think, uh, would be a good way to do it. I've only had one candidate uh, come to my door, you know, knocking on doors, sort of door to door. And that, unfortunately, it wasn't the candidate, it was a volunteer for the candidate, but they weren't wearing a face mask. So, uh, you know, I, I was reluctant to open the door. I did take their literature and just encourage them that they really should be wearing a mask if they're going to be going door to door but but other than that i think the um those virtual events the the direct mailing and the social media is is probably where you have to do your most to to get your message out and to connect with people um yeah it was and it's and it's hard during the you know it's they call them a spring primary but i mean during a february primary there's a lot of fatigue that people are still feeling from the November election, and it's very difficult to get turnout at the local races. I mean, it's 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 just really really challenging to get people motivated to uh, to get out and vote. So we'll see because usually the, the the you know the voter turnout is in the low twenties or high teens, and that's you know really sad to think about that few number of people who are going to be voting for the next city council and the next mayor and, you know, state superintendent of schools and some of these very important races. Yeah. Is there a way to, can we, can we just do like a one time, a one-off where the mayor has either a six year term or a two year term so we can match it up with a, 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 an election that's a little bit more popular and then at least more people are going to end up at the polls or do you like it that way where it's, you know, kind of a tweener, you know, I, I just feel like the timing of this election, the the you know, right after the presidential, like the the timing's not great. Well, I, that's the way it's set up in Wisconsin. Is, is the local races are in the spring, so that would take some action at the state level if they wanted to try to make it. You know, all the races happening in the fall. But um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily uh, mind it. But again, it gets back to the the challenge of of the voter turnout and just getting people out the door and wanting to pay attention and uh we'll see we'll see what the turnout is for i've not had a chance to actually check in with the clerk's office yet to see how the early absentee voting is going and if if they're seeing 
strong numbers yet or not, but, um, you know, that's, that's the challenge is to get people motivated and get them out to the polls. That's Mayor Tim Cavett. He's going to be joining us for this hour. we got to take a quick break, though. Brad, doing the news. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Mayor Tim Cabot on the show with us this evening. If you got questions for the mayor, 608-785-7914. I'm also taking uh, my order for Buzzer Billy's after the show. <laughs> I'm getting text messages. Uh, just a little distracted, Mayor, if you, you, but you can understand that. Well, you got to multitask, Rick. That, that's uh, Everybody has to do that, right? I did some show planning before the show, for the show, and then during the show I do supper planning. That's what I'm doing now. So, um, but, but, okay, so there's I, – I, I wanted to – we were talking about the, the idea that there's just, a, you know, 17%. So when you ran for mayor, there were 11 candidates, and Nikki Elson and the city clerk, the, the city clerk there, she told me that the turnout was 17%. In the primary. So um, 17% of the city is determining what the two final candidates are going to be for mayor. Um, is there a way to, is there, a, you know, aside from moving the election to a different date, you know, maybe during a presidential election or something like that, um, is there is there a way to, to just to, to get the turnout to increase? And, and maybe as mayor, you don't want it to increase. I don't know. When you're trying to run for a re-election, maybe you don't want it increased. Well, I, I mean, personally, I, I'd love to see it uh, rival that of, of the turnout during the presidential elections. I think, you know, there's probably a number of factors, uh, you know, the doing things to make it uh, easier for people to vote. I think that's something that uh, um, we could work on. And, and again, that would take some effort at the state level. Unfortunately, it seems that there's been, you know, the opposite uh, with the, the, the last election in November, all of the uh, lies and just distortions about voter issues and, uh, you know, the talk about trying to make it more difficult for people to vote. So that, that would be going in the wrong direction. Uh, I think the other, the other thing, too, is, is just the, the issues that get people, um, you know, motivated. And I'd like to think here at the local level, people are, are generally pretty satisfied with the levels of service and you know, and what we have to offer as a community and, and the efforts and the cost and, you know, the fiscal constraint that we use to, to try to deliver those services. So, you know, it's, it's always one of those things where I think if, if things are running fairly decently and, and there aren't too many major problems, uh, it, you know, it's, it's more difficult than to motivate people to come out en masse to, to make a big change. And I think that's probably something that works against us at the local level because, uh, all things considered, you know, people, we folks do a good job around here. So I don't know that those are good questions, Rick. I'm not quite sure if, you know, just if there were other things that we could do, um, you know, it seems like the, uh, when there have been issues, whether it's been uh, referendums or, or those types of things typically will get people motivated. And maybe that's strategy that we should look at is having referendums on the spring agenda or the spring ballots to get more people to turn out i don't know yeah they could be really localized too i mean we we talked about uh you know we we've had referendums for uh have we had the legalized marijuana referendum um you know there was the right there was the uh the tax on uh the tourism tax which was called something and then that i feel like that referendum was shady that was worded shadily i should say 
Um, but you know, maybe just some with some very very localized referendums to get people to turn out. And I don't I don't know. Uh, eliminate alternate side parking. Are you in favor? That would get everybody in the city to turn out. I think. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they're you know those kinds of strategies to again bring bring those those types of issues to the forefront and to get people engaged and wanting to participate. But on the on the flip side, if we go if we go the alternate side parking route, it's it actually has been in committees and, and city council meetings uh, the last couple of times, at least one other time. Um, you know, people could turn out for that stuff too if they wanted to get rid of alternate side parking. If the city, if people kept bombarding the uh, committee meetings, um, would would that force the council to just to just kind of eliminate it or or at least make some changes? Yeah, I think the discussion, especially because again here. Locally, you know, we, we we are very directly connected to constituents, and we hear from people all the time when there is an issue that comes up. Uh, we we typically hear about it, so that's why there has been some again recent activity. I mean, it seems like we have tackled alternate side parking every year or every other year for several years now. But there'll be yet another effort to make some additional changes, and I think that is because. Uh, you know, council members hear from people that they're still not satisfied. They'd like to see additional, you know, additional things done with that. So I, it, it, that is, I mean, that's how the system is supposed to work. When there are issues and challenges uh, that are affecting people, they, uh, you know, reach out to their representatives and, and ask for things to be addressed. And again, at the local level, I think we do all things considered a, a good job of trying to be responsive that way. You, you talk about mayor, mayor candidates reaching out and, and sending flowers and the way they're reaching out as opposed to the public reaching out to them. Um, how often does the city reach out to inform the, the public, hey, we're, this is how we're doing committee meetings. You can get online uh, this way. You could, you know, just the, here's how it works. This is what you would need to do if you wanted to voice your opinion. Uh, and then getting rid of the PDFs on the agenda website. Man, there's so many PDFs, Tim, that I got to download to figure out what's going on. It's, it's just... Sure. You should see the folder on this. This computer is full, and it's just PDFs. That's all it is. It's like ten thousand PDFs dating back to two thousand, I think, uh, eleven or so. Well, and that's because you know we we made a switch to our legislative system so that citizens had access to all the same materials that the policymakers had, and and that I think is is good government and it's transparent because there isn't some secret document or some you know set of information that the decision makers are then using to make decisions. It's all actually laid out in the public. So I think, you know, there's been a number of things that the that the city has done over the years, and I know I have as mayor, to reach out to residents and citizens asking for their input. Um, we typically do a, a pretty extensive, uh, extensive job of surveying residents. So through our community development program, we uh, do, you know, uh, those, those types of surveys to gauge people's uh, just ideas and, and feedback on certain issues. There is the, uh, you know, typically the, the social media. And so if there are events or, or things that are coming up that we'd really like people to weigh in on, uh, there's efforts done through, through social media and the website. And then, you know, our, our meetings are uh, posted and, and, People can sign up to get notices or to be aware of, you know, things uh, when those agendas are getting sent out. I mean, 
we've done a number of those things over the years. I mean, I've held my my town halls and coffees with Cabot, you know, for over the last eight years, again, several times a year to try to get people engaged and, and just being able to share uh, their thoughts. And that's what makes for, again, the best government is when we are, are getting that input and then turning that into policy. So I think, you know, again, all things considered, there, there's quite a bit of effort. There's, uh, you know, probably other ways, and, and that would be something interesting to see um, with the next mayor and the next council if, if they want to look at other ways to try to engage citizens and to get people involved and more involved in, in what's going on. Uh, we're talking with Mayor Tim Cabot. I would say that, you know, what's really nice, Cabot, is the Lacrosse County puts all their board meetings on Facebook Live, and I get a nice little notification that, oh, they're on live, and there's a little window, and I can watch them. And usually it happens right after the show, and then I just click that, and I start watching. Uh, th- the city, I don't think, does that. I'm looking at the city page. I don't see a, a whole lot of videos on the city page. Uh, I don't believe we are, do the Facebook Live. I mean, we have our own. There, there's the virtual meetings that yeah. folks can watch but uh yeah that's another good suggestion those types of of connections to social media i mean we've done uh, town halls where we've utilized the facebook live to to engage people while things are going on at that same time so i think i think those are all good suggestions of ways to improve transparency and to have people uh know what's going on and then it would never end. You'd have to do Instagram Live, uh, Twitter Live, and then you'd have to do them in minute clips on TikTok. You'd have to have like 61-minute TikTok clips to get all the... <laughs> well, even I'll say even in the eight years I've been mayor, the, the kind of just the exponential growth of social media and the demands and requests, you know, for those alternative types of, of uh, format, you know, I, I only see that growing and, and getting... Uh, you know, even even more so going forward because people do want to have uh, that, you know, that news and information in the format that they choose and how they want to digest it. So, you know, we've we've tried different things. We've done podcasts. We've done, uh, like I had mentioned, the town halls and and those other formats again to try to get people uh, involved. And, and of course, we have our committee structure. We have. You know, about 30-some committees, which are made up mostly of, of volunteer citizens. You know, I'm, uh, the, the mayor makes appointments, a couple hundred of those uh, uh, seats to fill with, with citizens who want to get engaged. And so that's another way for people to get involved. And there it might be less is more when you say 100. <laughs> like, I, you should see Brad on some of those days. He's, Brad Williams in the newsroom. He's like, I got this committee meeting. Can you guys get this one? There's 14 others that's going on. Um, there was uh, news today from the Board of Public Works. And, oh, number three hung up by me. But um, he was going to ask just the the idea that we're going to remove these pavers on uh, 20th Street and do some utility work. How much do you know about that? And, and are you is are those pavers that important? Because that seems like a costly project. Well, they are historic streets, and they're the a couple of the, the last remaining brick streets that we have. I think it's been uh, a, a priority for the city to retain those those streets. I know 17th Place is one, 20th Street. Um, we did lose a brick street, uh, I'm trying to believe, uh, over there um, on, on 6th or 7th, or not, not that long ago uh, we had to do a street project. So we are trying to keep at least, you know, a, 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 a limited number, a few of those left. So I think that uh, 
the brick pavers themselves are very durable and they've been around for a long time. But as was mentioned today at the meeting, the utilities really underneath the, the street need to be replaced. And so uh, the, the staff is looking at a, a way to do that. And it would be, will be a little bit more costly, but then, you know, we're building that street for probably 50 years. So if you look at that additional cost and spread that out over the life of that 50 years of that utility in that street, I think it's still a very good bargain and uh, keeps a, a piece of, of the process history intact. Yeah, and maybe the way you're doing it is 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 going to maybe be better than if the the way it was before. You put the if you put the bricks down in a different way, maybe that preserves the bricks a little bit better too. Well, I think the and for those that maybe know the streets, I mean they they do have it over time. You know, they're settling like anything else, and so you end up with uh, uh, it's not necessarily the the most level and smoothest uh, surface, and so. By setting them in concrete, uh, hopefully that'll that'll be addressing that for the long haul and keeping them level and keeping them from settling. Because every once in a while, though, there'll have to be some work that's that's done on the on the bricks to to address particularly bad spots. And this will be uh, we're we're thinking a solution which will be a, a long lasting one going forward. If they're put right into concrete and, instead of setting them on top, and the next time you have to do utility work, will that be the end of the bricks then? Maybe. Well, the the utilities are that could be. I, I think the utilities, you know, they're set up with, uh, w- especially unless there's obviously a, a major mistake or a problem that happens. You know, those utilities are going to be there for a long, long time. Uh, we're building those for typically de- decades, fifty years into the future. So uh, that'll be, uh, you know, the, the life cycle, and especially if we maintain them, the things that they can do now. I mean, we have some utilities that are even older than that, and they're still in good shape because they've been maintained you could, over the years. So you could that say would it, be Tim. the idea going, you could say project it. We'll, is setting them up for success. We'll be in flying cars by then. You could say it. <laughs> right. That's well, 50 weird. years from now, I don't know that I'll be <laughs> too concerned about uh, those issues, but you never know. <laughs> That's weird, Tim Cabot. Um, all right, we got to hit uh, Scott's comment. Brad's doing the news. We'll be back after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Mayor Tim Cabot is on with me for the rest of the hour here. Number three was calling, but now he hung up. Uh, trying to get him on. I don't know what the deal is there. But, uh, Tim, there's I, there's no agenda up yet. I keep hitting refresh on here. Not that I'm going to be able to break down the, the Lacrosse uh, City Council agenda for Thursday. And really, like if people want to pay attention to what's happening with the city, it's last week, all those committee meetings that we really should be breaking down. Um, But the, uh, a couple of things that are on the agenda is we're, we're continuing the, the, some of the fire department talk with uh, um, rebuilding or, or, or building a new number four fire station at that market street station. And then just the continuing effort to kind of harness, uh, uh, is kind of bring together all the uh, area fire departments into one, maybe one umbrella. Right. There's there's a couple of uh, items on the agenda to deal with the acquisition of property and, and demolishing or moving of of homes that are are there around Station Four, and uh, that that's going to continue to progress. Uh, and you know we're we're looking at having a groundbreaking this year for a new for a new fire station there on on the north side and then there's there's work that's being done 
at station number one to do some remodeling there as well. And then I know the, the uh, chief was on last week with you to talk about the regional uh, fire and EMS study that was just completed that had some ideas and recommendations of how the the various entities and agencies around in La Crosse could do a better job of working together. And I, I think, you know, we saw that actually with the fire downtown uh, where we had to employ a lot of our resources, people and equipment and the, the other uh, fire departments around the area then, you know, came and, and, and basically kept watch at our stations if there were any other problems in the city. So that was a good example of of all of the different agencies working together to, you know, to respond to an emergency and then keep people safe. Yeah, what's the big, what's the big, uh, and number three is now calling, so I'll get to you in a minute, number three, but what's the big issue with not being with regionalizing like it's is it just too hard to do is it that the outlying areas don't want to do it or um is it is it a tax issue what's the what's the big holdup well i mean it's a couple things at least from my perspective it is it is a political issue there is a certain you know community pride uh, the, the departments, especially those uh, smaller departments or those that are volunteer departments, they, they don't want to lose that identity. And, and I think that report did a good job of, of addressing that and making some recommendations where you could still keep those, you know, those agencies and, and still have that local pride. Um, the, the cost is a factor. I mean, we, we have a full-time department and I you know folks do make uh, comments about the size of our department and just to remind people that you know our department is sized really for the 70,000 people that are here in lacrosse during the day I mean our population is 52,000 but we see another 15 to 20,000 people on a daily basis that come into work and come in for appointments and for school so our, you know, our emergency services have to be right sized to deal with that volume of calls, and and that would be an issue with perhaps some of the, the smaller departments and the and the surrounding neighbors. That if they, everybody's going to pitch into a larger system, you know, cost and and those things have to be accounted for. Um, all right, I'm going to get number three in here. He's been waiting patiently. Number three, go ahead. You're on with the mayor. I've been waiting patiently. That's all right. I've got two questions for the mayor. All right? The first one is I made the blue baby for him here a while ago and brought it down to the radio station. Is he going to take that home with him or leave it at City Hall? <laughs> uh, the blue baby is, is happily at City Hall somewhere. I'm not sure which department has it. but Okay. I know it was in great is. demand there for a while. Anyway, that answers that question. The next thing I got to say is, I hear you want to tear up the streets, put new uh, water mains, sewer mains in it, uh, and then put the old brick on top of it again. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit before the break. Okay, I was just wondering if you know that by the time you, that's the brick, um, sewer's got to be taken up, I've, probably those lines are 100 years old down there. Uh, and you got to put concrete down again. Then you got to put a sand base. Then you have to lay the brick back in. Um, what's going to happen is the water is going to run between those bricks, get down into the concrete, 
and bust that up, and then the bricks are going to pop up into the street. It's about impossible to seal that so no water gets in it. Do you follow me? I hear what you're saying, yes. Okay. Very, very expensive. What I think I would do, these old bricks that you want to save, take them downtown when you do boulevard work and use them down there. You're buying brand new brick now to put downtown on your boulevards, and here you're going to have thousands of bricks that you can use downtown. Just leave it concrete. Okay. That's my uh, thought for the day, and good luck on your future from now on, whatever you're going to do. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Thanks, number three. That's not a bad idea. Like, instead of uh, putting the bricks in the road, put them somewhere somewhere else, make a a sidewalk or something out of them, maybe put them in a park somewhere? Well, again, we've done that in other street projects. I I know uh, I had mentioned uh, from one from last year that the, Brick Street was was taken up, and the, and the bricks were you know they get in the process of being recycled, and um, people actually go down to Isle of Plume and they they get the the brick pavers, and I forget how much we charge for those individual bricks, but people use them for landscaping and for other things. So that is something that goes on right now. I, I do think that on Twentieth Street for those two blocks, though, the goal is to preserve that Brick Street and. Uh, uh, that's that's the conversation that's going on right now. Yeah, it is all, It is always kind of cool to just have one street like that. Winona's got a couple of streets like that. Uh, Joe's calling in. Joe, go ahead. You're on the air with Mayor Cabot. Hey. You know, I kind of feel like a young number three. Um, I'm not really worried about the bricks. Put breaker rock down instead of spent let the water drain through and the bricks probably stay there. But uh, one of the things I don't like is you see these big front end loaders that go around town trying to clear out the intersections. And what they do is they end up busting up all of the aprons and the port intersections that the city pays to do that summer. And then they bring a giant end loader around and try to clear out the intersection and bust them off instead of. All right. Well, it sounds like we lost, lost Joe. Uh, we, Cabot, can we just get get you out there to shovel the intersections? Yeah, by hand. That'd yeah. probably be the the least uh, least intensive way. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I guess if Joe has maybe some specific intersections that he uh, that he has where the the crews have have broken aprons and busted things up, um, I, I you know I'd be happy to check into those and if we need to get those repaired. I, I trust our our street department, uh, we've got a lot of veteran uh, people that have been plowing snow and, and doing street repairs for, for many, many decades. And I think, especially the last several years, um, they've been really, uh, with the, some of the new equipment that they've uh, put into play, they've been really been able to uh, repair a lot more miles of streets. And I, and I got a few calls about Snow plowing, and, and when we only have one or two inches of snow, we don't typically plow the side streets. I mean, I understand, you know, most people who drive a car feel like they are an expert when it comes to, to street things, and I can appreciate that because I'll mention the same things to our to our street superintendent and others. But I think overall they do a good job, and, and um, if, uh, you know, I trust their judgment uh, because I think they've been doing it a long time. 
And uh, if, if there are specific intersections, they can let me know and we'll go we'll check them out. Yeah, I just think if you got like seven, eight street workers, you put them in the front end loader and then just drove them around town. They all had shovels. Uh, I feel like that would be just much, you know, less efficient a little bit, too, especially if you're driving around in a front end loader. But I always like to do that as a kid when my dad drove the front end loader around. Right, right, right. Yeah. The, the challenge, of course, is that you got 220 miles of streets that you got to get cleaned up. And, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> we believe me, we, we hear about it when people don't feel like we're cleaning the streets fast enough. So it, it's with uh, the, the kind of the nature of the work. You're never going to make everybody satisfied and you, you do the best you can for the most and Usually it works out pretty well. A lot of people hesitant to be in gymnasiums, to, or not gymnasiums. A lot of people hesitant to go work out in gyms nowadays. They can get get part of the. You could start recruiting uh, citizen shovel patrol. We could just do it that way. Um, it it is kind of interesting though. This this idea the 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 pavement. I'm getting a couple. I'm getting a couple of texts. One texter said, "If we want to preserve history, we should go back to dirt roads then, because that was what we had before." Um, but you know, you start talking about roads, you start talking about <laughs> property taxes, you start talking about uh, you know just the, the, the way we're going to shovel the streets. Um, that gets everyone fired up because that that affects everybody every day. We have a, a mayoral race. We have ten candidates. When when these candidates start talking about like, "Hey, I'm going to lower property taxes," or "I'm going to donate my salary," or "I'm going to fix all the roads." Um, you know that like I feel like you you've been in the mayor's office. You, you you hear that all the time. You're you're doing the best the best you can at that. But the the property tax thing is 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 comical to me and not comical. It's interesting to me because um, I, I think just everybody wants Tim. How can we get our property taxes to be like fifteen hundred a month or a fifteen hundred a year for a hundred fifty thousand dollar home? What would it take? It would take the state of Wisconsin to allow cities like La Crosse to use other things besides property taxes to fund services because really that's the only tax that La Crosse has and and we get state aids for the other chunk of our budget. So, you know, if we could go and do things like they do in other states, like a local income tax or other fees for services that are provided, we could then get folks like you who commute every day into La Crosse and you know, could could pay a little bit to the to the upkeep of streets and parking ramps and and whatnot. And I think that's that would be ultimately the the way to do that. The current system is 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 pretty much it's property tax or bust, and nobody likes to pay property taxes. So that's the the challenge we have at the local level is to keep doing services and and not raise people's taxes. And I mean, I'm proud of the fact that in my eight years, our property taxes are lower. And our spending is lower, and we've increased services during those eight years. And you know that's going to be the challenge for the next mayor and the next council to to try to to you know pay attention to those issues. When how 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 much are you paying attention to the what the candidates are saying? That we've had a couple of different debates and forums. Um, are you watching those? Are you paying attention to those? Or are you just kind of checked out because maybe you won't be here in a year? Well, I, I, I guess I haven't watched every minute of those. I mean, I, I have paid attention somewhat. Uh, I, I do at times, you know, appreciate being in that candidate type of uh, uh, position. And, and it's hard with, you know, 10 people. Uh, it's hard to differentiate yourself or really to get into a whole lot of level of detail. I mean, at this point, it's been a lot of generalities when you're when you're you know when folks are trying to answer questions or or get into questionnaires when it gets down to the final two 
there'll be more opportunities to actually get into some details and and to really you know quiz the two candidates about their specific plans of how they're going to you know lower taxes, increase services, fix all the roads, um, you know do everything that they perceive needs to be done because uh, it, it is it is a it is a challenge trying to put those budgets together each and every year. Yeah, uh, also make the uh, lacrosse center forty two million dollars in profit by twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing uh here locally in Lacrosse we we have a lot of different services whether it's the Cross Center or the airport or transit. I mean there there are any number of those uh those things that you have to be aware of and and again the the mayor the, when we get down to those two candidates after the primary that would be good to get in some details about their specific plans. Are are we asking? Are we not asking the right questions as media? Are we, uh, you know, we 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 ask them about property taxes, and then maybe do they do or a lot of the candidates not understand? I mean, I'm not going to be an aficionado on property taxes, but are are some of the answers just not correlating with the the challenges that a mayor has with with taxes? Yeah, I mean, not to this point because again, like I said, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of general answers. You know, you you hear responses like you just got to dig deep to, you know, fix those budget issues well. <laughs> I mean, you, you, that, that's kind of a given, right? It really gets down to those specific ideas and specific things that you have to do. And that's where I think from the media and from citizen standpoint is, is really getting into more details, asking specifically which, you know, department are you going to reduce in order to then devote more resources and personnel to streets or to you know, whatever, whatever the priority is for that particular candidate, because our budget is about 75% personnel. So if you're going to be making any dramatic cuts, that means you're laying people off. And to this point, you know, thankfully and proudly, we really haven't done that. I mean, COVID was one uh, monkey wrench there that got thrown into things. But, um, uh, but overall, you know, we've been able to give our people raises and, and, uh, have been able to, again, provide good services. So those kinds of specifics, you know, what are they going to cut? What are they going to uh, reprioritize specifically in order to devote more dollars to the streets department, for example? And I, and I will tell you this, you can have all kinds of equipment and you can have as much uh, cement and asphalt to patch holes, but you got to have people in order to do that. And we've been really trying to shift away from doing as much contracted work and give, uh, we actually added three staff to the street department for this year's, uh, for 2021 as a part of that budget. So we're trying to do more of that so that we can do more of it in-house because we can do it a lot more cost-effectively than, than contracting all those services out. So those would be the questions for the candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, give us, give us your specific changes of what you would do. Citizen Blacktoppers, a volunteer group of of uh, citizens that are going to go around riding in a front loader, patching potholes with a uh, pothole patch. I think that's a uh, that would be my my uh, run. That and also, Tim, I'm just going to eliminate charging for parking in the city. How big of a disaster would that be? <laughs> well, I'll just say this about the the citizen uh, pothole patchers. You know, that's why we have government because these are services that the private sector cannot make a profit on. I mean, that's why you have fire departments and street departments and parks departments and all those uh, types of of activities, because those are public goods. The capitalist system does not want to provide those because they can't make any money at it. So this notion that 
again, there's some magic fix out there by simply digging deeper into the budget that we're going to fix them all is, uh, you know, it's just not the case. I think when it comes to parking, again, I mean, they've, they've got TV shows about parking wars, right? They, they have all kinds <laughs> we of don't, uh, We don't even uh, have time. With... <laughs> we don't even have time to get into it, Tim. Um, okay, and, all right. and, and I will right. say, I think Domino's was, was pot, pothole patching uh, around the country, but I think they were taking donations. But that's Tim Cabot. Hey, Tim, thanks a lot for joining us. And is it all one right. more month? One more month you going to do this or two? This next uh, well, I got. I still have uh, March and April yet. So April, I've, yeah. I've still okay. got a couple of months to cause some trouble. So. Oh, all right. We'll <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. We'll see you, Tim. Thanks. Okay. You bet. All right. That's all the time we have for today, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll do it all over again tomorrow.